Hi, Henrietta. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm still in quarantine. <laughs> yes, we are. Um, I, I must say, though, I was in the park today having a little sit down, getting some vitamin C, some rays. Well, vitamin D, rather. Some rays. <laughs> you could have been and, getting it with some juice. <laughs> yes. And, um, and it felt amazing. It felt like this. Hopefully, this I'll be doing more of this coming uh, in the coming days and months. <laughs> yeah, the weather has been really beautiful the last few days, and it feels a lot more relaxed. Um, and I only say this because I've been I've tasked myself to watch less news because um, it's making me hyper stressed and anxious. And so I think just taking the energy from my surrounding neighborhood, it feels more relaxed. But I don't necessarily know um accurately if that's in keeping with the larger you know sort of lockdown parameters so we'll see but things seem to be easing up and you know small stores seem to be opening up with you know obviously very stringent safety measures and it, yeah it feels a bit more vibey again which is it's it's quite nice because I almost forgot what that was like you know 100 percent uh meanwhile <laughs> Uh, in our industry, however, a lot has been taking place. <laughs> the industry has been at a standstill to some extent, but a lot of decisions are being made in, in conference rooms and on Zoom conference calls. And Well, no, not in conference rooms, in Zoom conference calls primarily, but very, very serious decisions are being made about this industry. Never mind the, the, the number of bankruptcies, these huge retailers that um, have been announced over the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, um, and even Marcus is probably the most uh, the most stunning one that we have we have we've mentioned here in this podcast. But so much has has been taking place in the background, and we'll be discussing well one facet of this today, and that being the fashion reset. And what 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 exactly is our question this week, uh, Henrietta? Um, honestly, I think this is potentially going to go in a number of different ways. I think. The question is sort of more, what does the fashion reset, what can this offer us? What does this actually potentially look like? Um, and I think while no one has any definitive answers, there's been a lot of proposals on the table over the last week or so. Um, yeah, so let's talk about those proposals. Yeah, so I don't so. think we should breeze over those. Well, I'll get into the, the, the Dresden Noten-led one. And and I would say there's a there's a similar theme with, with some of these proposals and then divergent some of them. And uh, primarily, they're talking about aligning uh, the, the fashion calendar with the, the, the weather pattern, essentially. So, and, and so instead of having collections that come out, you know, five, six months uh, ahead of before it actually hits the stores, they are, they're finally talking about um, moving that closer to when it's shown as to when it's sold. And then the other big theme, I, I, if you would agree, is that of uh, discounting, not having these um, these discounts in mid-season, uh, particularly as it relates to Black Friday and Singles Days and those sort of big events that um, that has really driven the deep discounting in the fashion industry. Those two things, and we can talk about some of, some of the other proposals, but those seem to be the two biggies that has um, come up in my reading and my talking to designers in all the in all the fashion capitals. 
that's what is being spoken about. And I have a lot to say about that, but I'll have you weigh in on, on, on those two points. I think you've, you've, hit, you've hit it right there. Um, those are the two points that, that have definitely been coming up. And um, the, the challenge with the discounting is, is aligning it with all calendars, so multi-retailers selling from uh, surrounding or adjacent categories like Black Friday uh, is a good example. Uh, and the fact that the full price selling period is getting shorter and shorter. You know, it's almost like Christmas or Thanksgiving. It's like you start talking about it two weeks before and then three weeks before, before you know it, it's like end of July. <laughs> and everyone's like, Thanksgiving, <laughs> think about Thanksgiving. You're like, wait, what? It's it's almost like that with the, with the sales discounting period because everything is connected. So that's been a really big challenge selling at full price, particularly at the latter half of the year, because that is traditionally where the opportunity to make more money at full prices because the types and of the, products and the, you're selling. And the, I'm sorry to interrupt you there. And the time frame that they're proposing is for autumn winter collection, um, full price selling would be from August until January. And then for the spring summer collection, full price selling would be from February until July. And that would presumably leave a couple weeks in the transition period for the sales and the discounts. So they really want to control that area of the industry. Can I actually tell you something really funny just before we get into the trenches of fashion business? Um, When I was interning, I was an intern for a little while while I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do within fashion. So I was working in retail in London and I was doing these placements at fashion magazines and PR agencies. And as much as I love fashion and understood the fashion calendar because I loved fashion magazines and really ingested fashion from a young age, I remember asking this editor about why this fashion calendar was the way it was. Because I was like, why would we sell spring, summer, like bikinis in the cold, like in the winter, and, and, and talk about outerwear and all these great stories in the summer, it doesn't really make that much sense. Because obviously, I was also working for a company that was very much kind of see now, buy now. That was the term at the time, because that was very novel. And the level of disdain, she looked at me, and it was actually two people, because her colleague was with her, and they both looked at me as if I had essentially, I don't know, addressed their parents in such an arseholeish way. And they were like, that's just the way the fashion calendar works. And that's just the way that it is. And it was really interesting because it, it never really made sense to me. I understood the buying period and the selling and all of that stuff, but it just never, it just always felt quite nonsensical. And now that it's coming out, you know, everyone's always felt like that and no one wanted to say something first. There was always that level of that's just the way that it is. And so it's interesting that now this whole idea of the status quo is is really changing just in all facets before it's more ideologically around you know inclusion and culture and sustainability and the ideology of fashion and now it seems to be tripping into the business of fashion the brass tacks it's like wait why do we do this again when it serves no one <laughs> well it's it's just i just think it's funny and it's just a little anecdote that i just thought was hilarious because it, it really brought me back to that time when questioning such things was just idiotic well, it's a it's an apropos anecdote, actually, because I think that goes for a lot of people who work in fashion. And we've spoken about that here is that we accept these systems, you know, these things that have been like laid out in front of us and we just step into their into their playbook and live by it. And And I don't understand why these things weren't questioned before. And therefore, that's why I'm so 
cynical about about the efforts now. So if everyone or so many of them were sitting in their atelier for such a long time, you know, questioning the system, knowing that it wasn't working for them, trying to work around it somehow and failing to only finally come to this point of pandemic and forced reset, as they're calling it, um, I'm not really buying it. Firstly, I don't necessarily think that these people, these designers, need to consider themselves as a group because I don't necessarily think that they are a group. So um, one of the stats that I read in researching for this article is that 40% of the 477 members of the CFDA, uh, they do less, a million or less in business. And that most of those in business or members of the CFDA do more, uh, less than $5 million in business. That to me says that, you know, that while you may have been sold this thing that you're part of an industry and they're supporting you in this way, you have to do runway shows, you have to image in this way, you have to keep up in all these other ways, keeping up with the Joneses, all of those things, for the, I would say, did not, does not apply to, you know, the plethora of these brands. A lot of these brands ultimately have to concern themselves with finding their customer base or, you know, uh, keeping their established customer base and expanding on that. If they're having a retail outlet, keeping that super, super, super modest is really this direct-to-customer model that ultimately is going to work for them. So for all this talk that, yes, I understand that there's a buying schedule and it is a time that is easier for buyers, but again, <laughs> the wholesale model is, is largely being done away with. And again, it brings the onus back on the the designer for them to work out their own channels. So that's why I think this whole thing is seeming very, very performative. You know, I, I think for the Tory Birches and for the Dries Van Notens and, and companies of that size, yes, there would there would be more relevant. And Dries Van Noten, let's be honest, is part of Puig, you know, that owns other other um, brands on, the, on that umbrella. So it's a different kind of conversation. But I think for most of the brands that we're talking about in fashion, they fall under the independent designer label or, or, or just a bit larger than that. So this organizational thing, I don't think is necessary. I think it's a distraction for many of these brands. And what they need to do is to concentrate on their core, their customer base, their targets, their marketing, not this, this, this sort of like, you know, shadow fashion industry thing that they've been sold over the years. Yeah, you're not wrong. One of the things I think for me was interesting is um, why there's so much onus on things like Fashion Week and multi-retailers, because the multi-retailers, <laughs> for the most part, are not doing very well. Quite a few are filing Chapter 11s, and I don't see how that specific uh, wholesale model is going to work in a post-COVID landscape. And then Fashion Week, which is essentially marketing, um, you can obviously buy, sell a collection at any point. I think it really is about independent thinking. But then I understand that comes with a level of power, being able to actually galvanize and, and get what you need, get the press, get the buyers, get everyone into the room whenever you feel like doing something. So I do understand that. But even Fashion Week was feeling a little bit like an archaic concept in terms of how do we talk about fashion on a seasonal level um, and how do we present shows and what's the carbon footprint of all of this and, and how is this sustainable and is too expensive and what's the ROI on but it? Henrietta so I'm ju I just find it really interesting that a lot of it's like, instead, we're going to do the shows during this. And I'm a bit like, you're just 
moving old dinosaurs around a chessboard <laughs> is what it kind of sounds like versus actually really truly thinking about the innovation of, okay, how can we really reshape the industry so that it's just better for all of us? I feel still feel quite misaligned. To me, I'm like, isn't this an opportunity to just actually scrap all of that stuff and rethink what could work better? Okay, that absolutely makes sense. And to me, that's just one facet. I dare say I have to break, I have to deconstruct this further. I want to go deeper, Henrietta. Why, why do we have to embrace this like expensive real estate that has been the fashion norm over the last like 20 years? Why are we endorsing these extravagant executive lifestyles? Why are we embracing this greedy growth demands of these brands? There's so much that is at the core of how brands have been established over the fashion brands, that is, over the last couple of decades, that has really been, I know we take it for granted, like, oh, of course a store has to be at the most expensive address with the most expensive furnishings and so on and so forth. And they have to project a certain lifestyle. I think a lot of that myth-making has been a tremendous part of that problem. Why do we have to take these expensive, extravagant trips Staying in the most, you know, luxurious hotels across the world. And now that, you know, the world can see it, was able to see it, you know, with, with Instagram, they were seeing everything. Why were the, these lifestyles purported to be how fashion people and companies existed? And I have to say, and I think I've said this before here, there's a bit of schadenfraude. Now that the jig is up, now that these companies are like, oh my God. We are like, oh, we're in the shit. We may not be able to survive. We're like, well, when you were, you know, when you were overpaying for that store in Madison Avenue or on Bond Street or whatever address that you chose felt you had to be on, I'm now looking at those features of, of, of a fashion business that I think has just been such a, a false sense of identity. Um, no. Sorry to go. I, I, I hear you. Hate- a lot to no, swallow there, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm going there. I'm going there. There's like some schadenfreude that's been going on here. I hear what you're saying, absolutely. I think one of the things that is, I'm surprised that you're surprised, is fashion. There's kind of, we've had this conversation many times, and that was the whole idea of, is creativity and profitability diametrically opposed? Because ultimately, fashion has a veneer or a PR story about being very progressive and innovative and culturally aware and self-aware. And I think fashion at its best is all of those things. But change only really happens on an, on an industry scale when people's wallets are hurt. So it's very much about even something as, as tenuous as, as blackness in fashion, right? It it wasn't necessarily this idea that every single CEO woke up and decided that Black people mattered and Black people deserve to be seen, represented, catered to. They saw an opportunity to diversify and tap into the Black dollar. And I think those are the reasons why they put those feet forward. And that's why it didn't necessarily extend itself into the executive corridors, because no one was really checking for the benchmarks or the KPIs in those areas. It was all very public facing to say, see, we see you, like, inclusivity, we're all here, give us your money. Gucci is a very great example of that, and how much money they've been able to corral from the Black community. And I don't see this as being any different. It's, you're paying for the overpriced stores and, you know, the lifestyle of Vienna Winters and the big editors 
investors and the, and the big models and, and Naomi Campbell and her private jets and that whole idea of fashion was largely because it was able to go on. People were making money. And as soon as they're not making money, all of these things that were absolutely nonsensical and were only really seen by the quote-unquote fringe are now being addressed because they're like, oh, shit, we've really spun ourselves into a bit of a web here. You know, it's, it's, it's like anything. It's like the crash of 2008. It's like you keep doing and doing and doing until the music stops and then you're sort of forced to face a very harsh reality. This fashion shift or reset hasn't necessarily happened because of COVID. It was accelerated because of COVID, but this was always coming because these questions are predicated on money. And, and you can look at who's absent from this conversation, the Chanel's, the Amazes, the LVMH-owned brands, the Caring-owned brands, the because they don't have to. They're still making money and they're like, this model still works for us. And all we need is for people to get out of lockdown. Mm. A few, uh, We've still got the top 1% <laughs> of the 1%. We're still working with the 1%. We just need a few other people that are willing to not pay rent to get out of lockdown and buy clothes instead. And we're good. And that's why they've been largely silent because they don't really have to check for any of these things because it hasn't really impacted their bottom line in a way that it's impacted everyone else's. So a lot of the conversation is around mid-sized brands, independent designers, multi-retailers, because they're being screwed sideways. And so those juggernauts are going to be the last to follow and they'll probably do it either as a courtesy to stay relevant or just to sort of be able to swing their dicks and say, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to we're going to govern the change or something like that. But they've been interestingly silent because largely their bottom line hasn't been impacted. And I I do think that that is ultimately what all of these conversations come down to. I know it sounds like I have this very dystopian view about money and fashion, but that is what it is again in this case. No, money is definitely the driver of all of all things. And I think your point about the LVMH and the Carings and those those behemoths. Um, and them not being a part of this conversation, care to participate in it because they're perfectly fine over there on the other side. They'll continue to make their money. And that speaks to my argument about just how, how fractured this industry is, or in fact, is not so much of an industry at all. And so we're dealing with like the lower rung, and not necessarily in terms of prestige, but the lower rung in terms of uh, finances. And so they're, they're, they're talking amongst themselves as a, as a group. But again, I have to say, that may be a very, very, very distracting um, effort when ultimately they need to be concerned with their company in a singular way. And I, I've also, I, I just, just, just before I forget this point, um, I wanted to make the point about like the celebrity, that celebrity matrix that was sold to a lot of these designers. It's funny that after all these years, one of the sort of beacon of success <laughs> is getting your, your, your garment on a celebrity at some time for some premiere or some nonsense like that. Like that was the, that was what was considered to be, you know, a successful move. No one was talking about the bottom line of these companies, of these, let's talk about the companies that say, you know, a million and, and less in revenue. No one was concerned with any of those, those things. They were being sold like distracting efforts and marketing practices, like giving celebrities clothes for free and those sort of things. So again, I, I'm not feeling like there, this is a, it's a little kumbaya at this moment, but I'm not buying that. Ultimately, I don't think these people are there to scratch each other's back. Yeah, and I think that that could be the general consensus because I think one of the things that unfortunately fashion has done is dug itself a little bit of a hole where in reading a lot of the news over the last few weeks, there are industries that are really 
really hurting and people that are really, really hurting. And it seems that fashion's collective plight seems to be either falling on deaf ears or it's just been really hard to kind of foster any empathy or compassion beyond obviously the fact that people are losing their jobs and their livelihoods and independence and and that sort is uh, really suffering. The idea of fashion hurting, fashion is, I don't know, it's just having a bit of an optics problem within the pandemic from (laughs) from companies sending employees to work. And then also like Anna Winter just clamoring to like the Jeff Bezoses of the world, like a bloodline. Like it's almost like fashion really needs a PR reset as well, because I think that even to your point of I don't trust this reset, it sounds really hollow. I think is largely because of the optics challenge of even if this was a real reset that was very sub- substantial and, and had a lot of oomph behind it for real change that can make a difference. There is, to your point, a lot of smokes and mirrors, and it's really hard to understand what's authentic change, what is rhetoric to get this on your side. It's like very convoluted in a way. And so I think that energy well, plays a lot into it at the risk of sounding, continuing to sound negative. Well, you know, I've been using the term clothes makers or accessories designers and those kind of terms lately. Speaking about the craft, that what what you do, not necessarily about an industry that you're a part of, um, because I just think that some of those sort of glamorous titlings may have to go away to reimagine uh, a new kind of business. If you love making clothes, that may that may exist on a storefront somewhere where you take your private clients at a slower pace. Uh, where things are made impeccably well and made to measure, like those are the kind of things. Like I'm, I am more concerned with those crafts and those individuals continuing to do that which they love, not necessarily in the preservation of an industry where they're like, oh well, I'm a designer, like you know, like Jackie who lives in Tribeca and 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 Adam who lives in you know in in, in Brooklyn Heights, like. That doesn't ultimately really matter is, is, is what I'm feeling going forward. I just feel like just ex- accept that which is maybe your business. It may be very modest. It may be very small. But if that is the outcome, keep it that way and enjoy it that level. No, is I that, actually that think kind that of that's a really good point because I definitely foresee a splintering of some sort. And it could be sort of many splinters coming off of many branches so to speak, if that's a thing. Because, I mean, we see mm-hmm. it now with this reset. There are these kind of mid-sized, multi-retail, independent brands, and then there are these huge conglomerates. And then I do think that there is going to be this idea of, yes, fashion will always be the governing umbrella, but there will be this idea of uh, almost like a splintering of uh, ideology branches, if you will. So this idea that you can be a clothes maker, an accessories designer, and and there's a craft and there's a, a rigor to it and there's a process and all of these things are great, look very different, could be various tiers of business, profitable, independent, niche, whatever, but it's just a different ideology and mindset and how things are done and substance behind everything. And then there's everything else, which is kind of, I guess, okay. what we are largely painting as fashion which is kind of all the bullshit in the corner that is finding it very difficult to move on that is a lot of stuff over here that makes very little sense 
And I think that there could be a splintering. I think maybe I was kind of thinking back to some of the episodes that we've done and just some of the conversations that we've had. And I think one of my shortfalls has been that I've really always wanted or envisioned this idea of a huge shift, a huge systematic change in this space that we call fashion. And I don't necessarily know how realistic that is because we've seen that there are just certain things that are so calcified, they're just so grained into just the DNA of how some things work that it isn't necessarily able to change. It can shift, but it might not actually be able to change. And so the idea that there are these splinterings off, I think is probably more realistic and actually is more hopeful because then you're not really expecting, you know, the, the these governing bodies and these legacy brands and these kind of big money people to change. You're really sort of hopeful that there will be uh, a counter to all of those things that can also live in the same space, but separately. And and to that point, actually, to that point, I think that's an excellent point, by the way. And if you take a look, that's exactly what is being established on Instagram. Finding your tribe, you know, developing your network, finding your audience, selling to your audience. And I have to tell you, some of the most dynamic, interesting things that I have come across in recent years has been on Instagram and they're not a part of the system at all. And so that is actually a really great example of how those tribes are are forming that does have nothing to do ultimately with fashion. That I like and I find that to be, I think that that is progressive. I mean, obviously before you get into the issues of Instagram, but like, yes, the the general, the general. (laughs) Well, again, I got to tell you, I I got to tell you this. (laughs) Right, but this feels this feels the same way to me. I have to make this point. This feels the same way to me in how I had proposed Amazon as a potential a potential place for where brands will now luxury brands and otherwise will start selling their you know selling their wares. It, yes, I mean, and Instagram it has that. It's not like a wanky storefront. It doesn't have all the trappings of how you sell and promote products of of yesteryear but it's still an effective way where you can control your business and, 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 and have a modest no, business and have an about, audience. I'm and talking about the, the problems with Instagram as a, as a system, as a business. Don't, I wasn't don't, talking about. Don't, don't I, get me on, don't it get was, me started it was definitely not Amazon <laughs> conversation because obviously I actually do think that Instagram is incredibly conducive to be the new storefront or the the ultimate mode of discovery, which it is. I think Instagram is actually perfectly set up um, and efficient and conducive for all of those things. I think the business of Instagram and its and Facebook and all of those kind oh. of uh, dark forces around data and algorithms and performance marketing and all of those challenges. Um, just even just even the racial profiling, just all of it is somewhat problematic and could potentially, potentially um, continue a lot of the challenges that this industry have could be, you know, perpetuating that into this new foray, shall we say. But yes, in terms of what you're actually saying, I think that that's true. And to your point about Amazon, I know that you think that it's still like a winning argument. However, there has been a lot of press and talk around this idea that it's such a faulty idea that it's never going to work and that actually people like Anna Winter are slightly delusional and just trying to save themselves on any lifeboat that comes across. So that still remains to be seen. And 
and to be clear, I'm not, I'm not crusading, I'm not crusading uh, for this at all. But you know, I recognize the beast when I see one, and 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 we know how business works, and we know how systems work, and this is like this is the beast that you can't go around, you can't go over, and she's gonna swallow you. So it's almost you have no choice but to play in um in this situation. That that's kind of where I was coming from, and more like okay, you know, you can craft your image and still exist within that within a, a beast like that. But um, but yes, I I, I, <laughs> I think we both have issues with that uh, with Amazon. Did we need to make any, make um, any, any no, more No, I think it's, it's one of those conversations, one of those topics where right now there's no there there, which I guess is largely your point. And so it really is just about, I mean, look, fashion do, does this best where it's, there's a lot of talk around stuff. And so we'll, we'll be looking in and checking in to see how it progresses and what it actually means and, and how this manifests if it does at all. So, yeah. Well, I, I will say, I mean, this is a point, non-point, <laughs> and, and also that really does speak to, you know, what I feel about this manifesto, if you're to call it that, an amalgam of, of manifestos, let's say. But the degendering of the fashion week, that came out as, a, as one of the suggestions as well. I mean, let's be honest, that has been largely happening in a lot of the weeks. They sort of converged um, over the years um, in, in the different cities, but somehow that seems to have emerged, you know, to kind of latch on to the, the gender and move a la Alok or in conversation with Alok, uh, that sort of came out yeah. of this conversation as well. I thought I would mention that because it is it is positive. I'm a little bit cynical, but like, okay, fine. Let's just like forget this men's and women's thing and for once and for all, align it. If these fashion weeks are going to persist, align align them and, yeah. and, and move on. Fine. Any Anything that's tracking in a positive direction, I'm all for. But again, what kind of really gets to me a little bit and that purist in me is kind of like this is bullshit is because it's not we're not degendering fashion week based on the merits of degendering fashion and having those important conversations okay. that change hearts and minds and culture what they're doing is they're saying we can okay. save money it's uh it's also like a equity play and editors brands everyone's basically consolidating it's less money it's less this it's not really about degendering fashion okay. or making okay. fashion more, more sustainable by consolidating. It's all of these other like bottom line, dark forcey things that are making these things happen. And so it just, it does feel a little bit like race and fashion where it's like also public facing, but still a whole heap of bullshit in the background. And I, and that is my challenge with fashion. It could just as easily have been positive change for positive reasons and we can have that dialogue and really learn something and move forward and better ourselves and our culture but it's again it's like spurred by money which makes it really disheartening that you know but it is what it is I, you know i gotta tell you i envi- i envision like a, a scene on a, a psychiatrist's couch you know <laughs> discussing with your with your peers as to like why did we exist the way that we did you know, how did we get there? Why did we think that this was a good system? How did we let it prolong for such a, for such a long time? Like, I, I feel like it really needs that kind of deep therapy, not this, you know, lip gloss uh, situation. Like, I want to go to the very fabric. And I think you're saying that in some respect as well. I want to go back into the very fabric of this industry 
and right. really offend it. Not, yeah. not it do the seems to be, you know, you know this is a waste it. of yeah. time. You're such a purist. Why does it matter if it's happening? And it really is about, you can't really change something unless you really address it and iron out the kinks and like, look at what worked, what okay. didn't work. And you have to really work it out. This idea that you're just going to be like, well, just sweep it under the rug and get a different rug. It's like, yeah, it looks the same, but it's not the same. So I don't know. I'm a purist in that way. And I always believe that that makes for better culture to actually be able to do the work. But yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to argue with a degendered fashion week. I think that that's a great uh, result to have come from this. Definitely not going to complain about the output. But yeah, how we got there, I think, is largely problematic. But that is for a different episode that is for a different episode and that is the conclusion of this episode thank you guys for joining us okay bye